Hello, sexy souls. This is your host, Erika, K as in kinky, and you are listening to Project Black. Why black? Because black is the color of my soul. And technically, my hypothesis is that black is the kinky chakra. We all have developmental issues. And technically, the actual chakra that gets activated in BDSM is the root chakra. According to the poet Rumi, he says, return to the root of the root of who you are. And when you return to the root, it gets activated in the root chakra, which is a color red. And when you actually are in your body through BDSM, yoga, dancing, it gets activated. So it clears the financial block any blocks around security or abundance. And this, if you are someone who feels blocked, this is your episode, okay? It's a very special episode. But before we get into the details, I want to announce that we are in partnership with House of SXN. And this is the exclusive designer of luxurious leather, erotic wear, and accessories, infusing classical form with provocative design, all pieces are unparalleled in eroticism and function. And today's guest is Raquel, and she is known as the millionaire sex expert. Based on her own life experiences and erotic career adventure, she will share how to get in this lane of abundance. And she will give you the inside scoop on the pros and cons of erotic work and present them in a success formula for the red-collar professionals who wish to create a lifestyle of sensual fun, freedom, and financial abundance. What's so magical about Raquel is her irreverent, saucy, raw, and down-to-earth personality. She is quick-witted, funny and balls to the wall um like fun (laughs) and we're and she has actually been featured in iHeartRadio, Weinhein and a few other publications and if you are turned on by eroticism BDSM and also someone who's on your spiritual path then this is a very special episode however if you are uncomfortable with religion and uh, things around toilet, then this is not your show if you're easily squimish. But if you are interested in getting deep and down into this rabbit hole, then join us on this journey. So get ready to introduce our guest, Raquel, to Project Black. Hello, Sexy Souls. This is your host, Erika, K as in kinky, but you can just call me Erika. And this is one of the last episodes of Project Black. Why black? Because black is the color of my soul. And my hypothesis is that black is a kinky chakra. We all have developmental issues. Red is the root chakra. This is about being grounded. And then we have the color orange. This is about sex, sexuality, birth creativity and then we have the manipura which is the color yellow and I would love to get into all of the chakras but I'm just so excited because our next guest is Raquel the millionaire sex expert she has a background of BDSM for over 15 years and she has she's an amazing storyteller and I'm very excited because she has so much vibrancy and the craziest story so you're gonna be very entertained get ready get your chair out if you are driving i don't suggest that you're driving and being excited at the same time if you're around children please put on some headphones so introducing my guest raquel hello thank you so yes thank you so much for that wonderful introduction (laughs) how are you I'm excited because this is the second time <laughs> that we're doing this. It's kind of like sex like the first time, so people want to give up. But the second time, you're like, you know what? Let's try it again. Get back on that horse. 
<laughs> it was fun. We, I had fun. <laughs> so my first question is what turns you on about what you do? I have been an erotic entrepreneur since 1998. And I started as an exotic dancer. And it was so much fun. But I had a lot of shame and guilt, what I call R&R, religion and relationships. So I had a lot of shame and guilt around, like, you know, growing up Catholic and a very strict, old-fashioned, they call it antique Portuguese Catholic home, okay? And, but I felt alive. I felt alive being an exotic dancer, and I quit to be in uh, BZXM because it's more private. However, there was more taboo, and it was darker than, uh, than working at a strip club. And so I felt like, so I would do BDSM, like, prolong it, because my, uh, mistress had a dungeon, so it was easy to do sessions there, but it, it all depends from client to client, because it's definitely an energetic, um, thing to some, you know, I think this goes in anything in life, really, um, you know, to some people can bring your spirits up, some bring people like, oh, tire the spirit. So I would quit and then come back, and I decided, after age 34, this is 2014, that this is my passion, this is what I'm going to do, and I continue uh, being an erotic entrepreneur, doing a lot of fantasy fetish. Uh, I do, I freestyle with Tantra because I don't do it by the book. And, um, yeah, and I'm, ba- I'm basically an elite companion who's amused. <laughs> so that's me. Oh, my God. Um there's so many things that we just talked about. We're barely in the beginning of the show. You're talking about religion and BDSM. You're talking about freestyling your tantra and um, the, the spirituality of BDSM. So I would like to hear what does religion have to do with BDSM in your okay. own understanding? So when... Uh, so my background, uh, I grew up in like a Catholic school, and when you go to Catholic school, when you're a Catholic, you Catholic children have two choices. You either go to Catholic school or you go to kid academy, CCG classes on Saturday. I went to Catholic school and CCG classes, so basically I had seven days of Catholicism, like, drilled in my brain. And so you have to understand Monday through Friday, Catholic school, Saturday, CCD, catechism, Sunday, church. That was my life. And I'm a Zorian Portuguese, so they do this thing, Pesifosh, I don't know how to say it in English, so it's basically a bunch of women get together, and they do this in the summertime, and they pray the rosary for hours, hours, while the men are either downstairs drinking or at the bar drinking, because that's okay for them to drink. And then we have to put the refreshments out and eat. And then after we have, like, a big procession and uh, a feast. So this is how I grew up. And I grew up, like, in Catholic, as a Catholic, you grew up with shame, you grew up with guilt. But you go to these beautiful cathedrals, so goth, okay? Um, And then when I went, so that's my history as a child growing up as Catholic. Um, and then I never forget, I went to my first dungeon, and I'm like, oh, my God, red velvet curtains. This is the same thing as going to confession booth. And then I saw the St. Andrew's cross. I'm like, St. Andrew, Catholic Catholic. And then it was the humiliation and, and the dominance. I'm like, wow, this is so Catholic. Like, it was so relatable to me. And I really think that Catholicism and BDSM is very related. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like, I know this for a fact. I No, I don't know for a fact. I feel it for a fact <laughs> that I know that the Catholic Church, they have to do BDSM ritual because it's so relatable. Yeah, I, I I can relate to this, especially because I grew up Catholic as well. I did not go to Catholic school. I simply relate to that whole environment of you're going to church, you're sitting down on those um, 
what do you call them? Like when you're about, you're kneeling oh, no. on the... Yeah, but you, that's what you have to do. You have to kneel to your, to your mistress or your, your master. You have, you, you just, you have to bow down to the priest. Bow down to the mm-hmm. cross of God. Yeah, and it, and, <laughs> and they made us feel they made us feel like uh, afraid that if you sin or if you mess up, you're going to hell. And and then mm. you, of course, yeah, and then of course they bring a like you have to like go out there and they reward you with bread and wine, and then um, you have to go pay them. <laughs> so it was interesting because like it was there's the beauty of it there's the theatrics right like. You know the the people singing and the choir and then you know the last episode I'm going to talk about my own experience of BDSM. Yeah, and it's it's just so interesting that you're talking about you're going to your own experience of BDSM. You're kneeling, you see the curtains, and the dungeon has a lot of similarities to like the aspects of Catholicism. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, and I, I believe that BDSM has different components, not just like the Catholic. But they take everything. They take the Buddhist. They take the the Zen. I mean, one of the people I interviewed was Orpheus Black, who was uh, episode five, and we talked about like the spiritual aspects of it. And I know that you know all of this all goes hand in hand. So we have to like be really grateful for that. So I love how you just like start off with the taboo, and people that are so uncomfortable with controversial will get ready to, you know, take down that mask. We need to hear more about this, to have an awakening here in the planet because a lot of people are so afraid of sexuality, especially because they feel like, you know, if they go to a mistress or sin, then they're going to hell. I don't I don't buy that anymore. I don't buy that anymore. I, it's, I think people are afraid to lose control. It's kind of like drugs. Like, I don't want to try drugs because I'll be addicted Versus, like, hey, listen, you know, you can experiment with it and be social with it and and be self-aware with it. I think that that's the problem with sexuality, BDSM, because some people would be gluttons and obsessive over it because people, most people have addiction issues. Like, to me, you know, people, like, I, I remember these old ladies, all they did, the widows, the widows, all they did was pray all the time. Like, that's an addiction. So people are afraid to be addicted. So I think that's why they have this all sexual taboo because I think they're just going to consume their, themselves with sexuality and that's it. I mean, that's my theory. Yeah, and a lot of people say that they have sex addiction. I don't believe that's true. I believe that it's a compulsion. You know, yes. there's a thing called, uh, I learned in college, repetition compulsion is where mm-hmm. you constantly are feeding your your habits. You're feeding what you think you, that you should do every day because that's what you were taught. And that's actually what BDSM helps people with is it's not just like entertaining. It actually helps people get out of their head into their body and have a, a spirit, like a relationship with God or a higher self or whatever you believe in. Like you believe in Palladians, aliens, um, you know, Mother Earth, whatever you believe in. It just, like, gets you connected more into your beliefs. And we were talking about this in the last um, conversation, that we were talking about how this whole BDSM and religion relates to the um, the Madonna video, like a prayer, remember? Yes. Um, if you were part of that, that culture where, you know, she's um, out by the, the burning cross and, you know, there's a lot of, like, crazy things that are happening um, in that music video, and I, I believe, like, when I started having, watching Madonna, I was just inspired, I was like, oh my god, she's so crazy, and my mom was, <laughs> you know, she was, like, following me with the, la chancla, you know, the, the sandal, like, and chasing me with a bell, she's like, don't watch this crap, like, don't watch this, and she's, she's telling me, she's like, Jesus loves you, and, like, I'm being hit, and I'm like, whoa, this is so weird. I'm so confused, you know? <laughs> and um, there I am watching Madonna, but being thanked by the belt at the same time and having to confess my sins that I watched the Madonna video. That, well, that my mom also, <clears throat> it's funny, because my mom also introduced me to BDSM, because when, um, so I'm the first, I'm the first born, and I think, the first one was like a, the trial and error child. 
So she would spank me and spank me and continuously spank me and release. She would release her frustrations by spanking me so much. And it wasn't just three spanks. I'm talking, this was like 20, 30 minutes of getting spanked. And what I realized was, and the DCSM is too, I was like, she spanked me so much that she numbed the pain and then it tickled. And then that's what BDSM also, it helped me with boundaries, helped me with creating boundaries, and it helped me mutating pain into pleasure. But mm. my mom started that. But BDSM also does that. <laughs> it does that, and it also teaches you about your tolerance to pain. Yes. Yes. Mm. I just learned how to mutate it into to numbness into pleasure. It was like a mutation for me. How do you go from numbness to pleasure? Okay, because well, I don't mind. Mind. Yeah. these are two different things, right? Because numbness, that person is just not feeling anything, and to go from that extreme of the pendulum to pleasure. I don't know. It was just, it was just something that happened. So she would, so she would just hit me, hit me, hit me. And if you, if you touch, like even if you poke yourself in the same spot, like it's gonna hurt. But if you keep poking, it's gonna you're going to get numb and you're not going to feel it, then it's your choice on what you want to feel. So I think it was, I think it was my choice, like, hey, let me make this feel good now. So I think it was just, I think it was like maybe like a divine intervention choice that happened to me that was like, make it feel good. Learn to like it. And that's a very BDSM thing. Learn to like it. And I learned to like it. Mm-hmm. After a while, it's, your body's just being trained to a different level of sensation. You know, um, I went to this this dungeon because I was going to apply to be a submissive at one point, and the the dom, the the mistress, I, I don't even remember what their title, headmistress, and they say it's like when you go take a bath or take a shower, you start with the cold water, and then you want to go all the way to the hot, and then you want to just play with the different levels just to, to shock your body. And sometimes your body needs to be shocked for it to, like, completely change its neurology. Yes. Um, so, <laughs> no, I, I, I like that theory better than the theory of me getting spanked to the point that it was numb. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I think the water is more gentler because at least you get to control the um, the temperature. <laughs> yeah, and it's like a baptism for some people. You know, doing these types of rituals is like a baptism. And, uh, yeah. I mean, what is your, your client's experience? Like, you've been doing this for so many years. Like, what do you hear people say after they have a healing? So, um, when I was, yeah, so when I, I saw the BDSM when I was 19, and I really just did it for the money, you know, um, because my, I met my my mistress at the uh, strip club I worked at, uh, and she, and everybody was afraid of her because she had this super. So she's a Colombian. She's Colombian, and she had like bleach blonde hair, super super tight corset. Her waist must have been like eighteen inches, like that tight. And then she had nipple rings, and she had like clitoral rings, and maybe she had a, she had like maybe five piercings on her pussy. And then she would have a chain all connected, and she just intrigued me. And she was my mistress, and we're still friends. We're good friends. I spoke to her today, so we developed a very trusting relationship. So, so she was my mistress, and she's like, to be a good dom, you have to be a submissive first. But I trusted her very much. Um, so the sessions I would have with the guys, so she, I would have the sessions. And then she would follow up with them in email and have, like, a very lengthy email follow-up, and they would just express their feelings. It was basically their therapy. So um, a lot of a lot of these clients, because it's both men and women, they just don't want to talk their feelings. They want to feel their feelings. And a lot of them want to feel the pain to go back to that moment and heal the pain with pain. And um, what I liked about my mistress is that she did a lot of client care and aftercare with emails. So it was a very healing process. 
aftercare with with emailing. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, yeah. So she would follow up with them. It was it wasn't just a session. So a session a session would be like like obviously the emails before because she was very much into hard limits. The session, you know, taking care, making sure they're okay. They leave and then follow up with an email, like how they feel. And so there was a lot of care in in how she conducted her BDSM sessions. Hmm. Now, uh, because I advertise on Arrows, so I do fetish, fetish, fancy fetish, and I have a lot of fetish clients. And I do soft core S and M because the hard because I used to do hardcore S and M and I just did not like it. And I realized, you know what, I'm really good to do the things I like because I want to enjoy what I do. So I only do soft core, so I'll do tie up, tickle, um, a lot of tease and denial, uh, erotic humiliation, which I love calling you know, men, sissy boy, bitch boy, like, look at you, you worthless piece of shit. But I want to make sure they like it, too, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, and then um, I've also had many clients who have confronted and, and expressed things, like I've never said this to my therapist. Uh, and I don't, I don't know why they feel so comfortable with an erotic entrepreneur to share their deepest, darkest secrets or the darkness that they hold and they don't even want to share with their therapist that they're paying for. I mean, they pay for us too, but I'm not a psychotherapist. I didn't study. I mean, I studied as a basic psychology because college makes you. But other than that, I mean, I'm not an expert in psychology. And, yeah, uh, this is the whole healing dynamic that I've seen throughout the years that, you know, I've clients to share their soul Hmm. and what you talk about they're sharing all of these things and you're not their therapist but in in a way you kind of are you you are I didn't study I didn't study the book I'm not not a therapist by the book no not by the book but like on on a spiritual level you're listening to them you're guiding them through an experience obviously you're not prescribing you know, them to take anything or prescribing a certain thing to do, but you're, you are guiding them through rituals and you're guiding them through them getting to know, understand their pain, whether, and of course they are getting the physical, they are getting the sensory, the, the sensual and the psychological because they are going through the psychological with, with you. You're just like, you're just a guide. You just happen to have all this BDSM gear. You, you know, you look attractive. And sometimes, like, you're the calling card. You know, you're the calling card that allows them to, like, surrender to that. Yeah. Um, and I talk about this in one of my podcasts. And there's something about looking – I think looking approachable. There's something about looking approachable that men, even even women, and children, they just feel comfortable and they want to open themselves up. And when you are diving into, well, I think it's normal, but the normal people think it's so taboo with BDSM, they think it's just a very enlightenment experience. Because it's like they don't know too many people who would be, it's like, I'm not call, like I'm not calling them a freak, I'm not calling them a creep, and they can be open to their fantasies, they can be open to their fetishes. They can be open to healing their pain with pain. Mm-hmm. And you you mentioned fetish, and that's one of the things that in the podcast, like I we talked about BDSM and topping being a master, but we haven't talked about the fetish component. What does fetish mean? Okay, so BDSM it's bondage, discipline, sadism, masochist. So. Mm-hmm. I'm actually a submissive. I'm I'm a sadistic submissive. Um, I don't I don't trust anyone to be my dom, um, especially uh, as an adult. I'm very picky in who I let touch me. I would rather be the provider. I would rather be the dom because I know what I'm doing. Um, 
but when in relationships, I like being the submissive uh, because I like receiving, you know. Uh, I like cooking, I like cleaning, uh, I'm very domesticated, but I'm very sadistic because it causes, <laughs> I get pleasure causing pain on others, like, like, tedious pain, you know what I mean? Like, my ex-boyfriend, I just used to love getting the clothespins and just clothespins in his ears and just cause him, like, little stupid pain and it pleased me causing pain. <laughs> um, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm laughing because like you're talking about you're you're putting like closed pins on him. For me it was like I wanted to wrestle with him. Um I just wanted to like I would just like hit him. Um when I was younger I was just like I like hitting you <laughs> And it it went it and it then evolved to like one of my one of my former lovers, um, we used to play jujitsu and I and every time I got angry I got quiet. And I said, hey, let's, can we wrestle? And I would, like, formally put on the jiu-jitsu outfit, the, the mouth guard, get the mat, and every time, like, I'm going to fucking kick your ass, you know. But at the <laughs> end, we ended up, like, we're exchanging all this energy and all this fire, and we're like, oh, my God, let's have sex. Well, I have that fetish, too. When I see yeah. a big man, like, I'm talking about over 6'2", over 200 pounds, I get this, like, little man syndrome that I want to beat them up. And it only happens with big guys. I just want to, like, overpower them with my strength. <laughs> and I'm 5'5", five five, and I can fluctuate my weight. But, yeah, I'm average-sized woman, and I have this fetish of beating up big men. That's like a fetish to me. Mm-hmm. So fetishes can be a lot. Like, a fetish can be, you know, a man wanting to dress up like wear nylons or dress up like a woman, that could be a fetish. Someone can have a fetish of, like I had a client, he had a, he, he, I'm actually going to conduct a pie session. So I'm going to get, like, so he wants to get all these pies and throw, and we're going to throw it at each other. And that's his fetish. And I asked him, like, well, won't you do this to your girlfriend? He's like, I really don't want to show her this because I'm afraid that she's going to think I'm weird. And I really don't want to do it with my girlfriend. I'd rather do it with a professional who understands fetishes because she doesn't. So I'm like, oh, okay. But so a fetish can be, it, it can be a whole spectrum of things. Um, I have, yeah, so it could be dress up, role play. Uh, and sometimes they have like the fetish, um, when people like dress as animals. And they want to be anonymous and then just have sex after. I forgot what that's called. So to be fetish. Have you heard of Have you heard of looming? Looming? What is that? Can you just because there's a lot of um, terms I I don't know. But if you tell me if you describe it, then I would know. It's someone who gets turned on by balloons. Oh oh uh, <laughs> no, I haven't come across that yet. Oh well, I I met I met a guy who had a fetish for balloons and so he would get turned on by like the feel of the balloon the the color of the balloon he had a whole closet of balloons and it was interesting and he actually said i'm actually pretty normal on the spectrum because apparently he has gone to the looming community and people are either on the autistic scale or some people are um a little bit socially awkward, but he was actually very confident and very sociable, has, like, no awkwardness about him. He just happens to have this um, this fantasy, this fetish, and for him, it actually, he, him and his own understanding, he said that this actually came from a childhood fear. So he said that he really liked, he, ha- he was afraid of balloons when he was a child, and suddenly, as he gets older, he's aroused by his fears. Yes. Well, I mean, when we do conquer our fears, it's either like, oh, my God, I can't believe I was afraid of that, or it's like, ooh, I like it. Because I used to be afraid of heights as a kid, and I love going skydiving, you know. Um, but I don't get a sexual pleasure from – so, to, okay, so a fetish is what average people would think is weird, but you get – sexual pleasure from it so it could be anything someone could have a fetish of i want candle wax on my nipples and i get turned on by that 
or someone could have a fe- okay, so I've had clients that I would dress up as a teacher and read them book and they would have to sit down and kneel like a child. And that was their fetish and they would get sexual pleasure on just me reading the book to them. So it could be anything that people would think is weird. Mm. However, it mm-hmm. sexually stimulates someone. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, we should play a game. We should think about what are these, what are some celebrities' um, fetishes and we should guess. <laughs> Say that again? Okay. We should, we should play a game where I tell you a name of a celebrity and you mm-hmm. tell me what do you think their fetish is. Oh, okay. I'm so, okay. I don't watch TVs or movies, so I'm like not into pop culture, so mm-hmm. I have, let me, let, I would have to know, um, what fetish I think they uh, they have like a like a old actor like maybe you know Brad Pitt or something. <laughs> okay, so you tell me some some people that you know, and I'll try to I guess it. Uh, well, to be honest with you, I think a lot of these. Okay, Robert Downey Jr. I think you would have a fetish for playing with his ass. I'm just, I'm just gonna guess. <laughs> no, the reason I you know, know this yeah, is yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The reason I know this is like one of the first dungeons, and I will talk about this in the last podcast. Is there's a lot of celebrities who went to dominatrix. I don't know who, um, but Robert Downey Jr. I don't know what his fetish is, but I would guess that he would like like butt stuff in the butt. <laughs> of course, I heard <laughs> men would. Um. So what about Charlie Sheen? He's he's freaking crazy. Though. He's wild. He's crazy. Like I've heard, and there's like so much like Hollywood news reports about him. Um, I think he just done it all. I has done it all with everything. And well, I also heard that he has he has AIDS now. I'm not yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. HIV. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What about Lindsay Lohan? I think she's bisexual. I would guess that she would have like she is bi- no, a she bi- is bisexual. Yeah, oh, she is. I'm right. <laughs> no, no, okay. no. She, is, yeah, yeah. She explains that. Uh, but what do you think her fetish would be? I think she like getting choked and um, <laughs> and her nipples and her and her nipples. <laughs> oh my god, this is so much fun. <laughs> oh, okay. What about Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> Yeah, this one's hard because she seems so. She looks so innocent. Um, oh, I, 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 I can see I her playing with innocent. her. No, I could see her like wanting her foot like licked. Like she's into feet or into like maybe pies. Like maybe she wants a, a food fight. <laughs> like after. Yeah, I could see her like I letting would love loose. These celebrities to listen and be like, "Oh my God, Erica is an intuitive." BDSM guide. <laughs> oh yes, I know. How going to Paul Trump call me for my pipe? And yeah, just, Raquel and I will confirm. Just to confirm. <laughs> I've actually worked with a few. I've worked with a few celebrities, and some of them are pretty zen. You know, you'll be surprised that some of these celebrities who would be like, "Oh wow, I did not know that they were so calm in the bedroom." Oh, well, I think a lot of, it's funny, um, I notice a lot of uh, good-looking couples or good-looking people are very boring in the bedroom. They don't have much flavor. That's just my experience. I'm not saying all of them, but I I notice that um, they're just very bland and vanilla, Or, or a lot of them, a lot of women have hot girl syndrome. Um, mm-hmm. so trophy wise have hot girl syndrome, they just lay there, don't move and expect everything to be done to them, which is a complete turn off for me. Uh I think when you're in the bedroom both both parties must participate. So, um I just don't like someone just laying I mean they're doing a session, that's fine, but like at least move your body. You know what I mean? Like Yeah. When I'm when I'm getting myself stimulated, I'm moving my body. I'm not letting the guys mm. do all the work. You know, when I did have sex. No, that's good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I come from a, a dance background, and 
like I just I move a lot. So if anyone is watching, listening, not watching, <laughs> listening, they would probably get um, a little bit excited to hear that. I, I I just believe that the more you move, the more that you're gonna rise your kundalini, your shakti, and yeah. and mm-hmm. have this experience. Because like you you can't think of it as you're dancing with just a person. You're also dancing with that sexual energy. You want to feel that you're penetrating everything. And if you're going to have sex one last day of your life, move. Move your hips. Um, move your torso. That's actually one of the things I coach men is movement. Um, one of my mottos is movement, self-improvement will cause self-amusement. <laughs> Ooh, I like that statement. Yeah, so um, I, I noticed that. But, but when you go to BGSM, the females are so open, and then, like, they'll, like, oh, my God, some of these sinister females will just let anything happen to them, and they're so trusting. Like, once they trust you, uh, and obviously I'm very much into hard limits and, and safe words and all that, like, they would let you, like, put a dildo in every office in their bodies. Like, I've, mm-hmm. I've noticed that with some female clients. That's interesting. In BDSM, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you you and have had female BDSM. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I used to conduct uh, BDSM parties too. So me and my mistress would be like we had featured entertainers. We're talking, and then I've been in I've been featured in magazines as well. Oh my god, that's so amazing! What magazines? Well, it's so funny. I have so much shame about it then. I ripped everything off, and I was, and I also was in the BDSM film, BDSM film called Toilet Boy, Toilet Boy. But I, I broke, I broke everything. I ripped everything because of the shame. It was like, oh my god, I can't believe I did this. But I was in uh, Kinky, BDSM Kinky, uh, Masters of BDSM Sex. Um, so these are just like older. This is before like the internet. We're talking about. 2000, like 1998, 1999, 2000. Um, it's just like local um, BDSM magazines in Providence, in New England. I don't know if it was nationwide, but it was definitely New England magazines, BDSM magazines. And then the video, um, yeah, so it's Toilet Boy, and I don't know where it is. <laughs> it has to be somewhere on well, the internet. But, yeah, I just, I just had a lot of shame, like, showing my face. Well, I imagine, I mean, like, the toilet is very intimate, and I'm sure it brings up so much for people. I mean, um, in BDSM, there is, you know, uh, golden showers and, you know, brown showers, and I just was looking at it in the book BDSM 101, and uh, there's so much psychology behind that. I mean, I personally am a no to that, I've had been invited to um, join someone in a golden shower, and you know what? Oh, I, I do. I don't mind golden showers. Anything, uh, I'm, I'm solid no on anything brown. I don't think it's sexy. The golden showers, yeah, it's easy for me to do. Why do you think people like golden showers? Um, <clears throat> it's a humiliation thing, like I'm worthless, just on me. But some people, they love the warmth. Uh, urine. Oh my god, I have a story. So, <laughs> so, so my mistress would do these BDSM private parties. So all the slaves, the men were, they couldn't walk. They had to crawl with collars and they couldn't talk. And the only thing they could drink was bowls on the floor filled with our piss. And then the mistresses would come and we had you know, they would rub their feet, give them pedicures, and they sat on thrones. And I remember I was in the fridge because my mistress was peeing. Cause she she had to, like, you know, um, supply her urine. And she put urine all over, like, in bottled waters all over the fridge to preserve it so these slaves could drink it. And then I drank a bottle. I'm like, oh, my God. And it's just like, and you don't taste it. In the beginning, but the aftertaste, I'm like, ugh, but thank God it was my mistress urine and she has a really clean diet, so it almost tasted like regular water, but I could tell it was urine. Um, so some people just like the taste of it because it's salty, and some people love, like, you know, having it hit, having something warm hit them. Like, it is a nice, warm shower, and it's 
yellow and it's gold. But others look at it as just pee on me because I'm worthless. So each person mm. has their own perspective on why they mm. like it. Mm. But brown showers, I, I, this point I tried to do a brown shower. I couldn't do it with my body. I just couldn't do it. To me, when um releasing myself, in number two, it's a private, it's a private moment. I don't want to share that with anyone. So if I, I just don't want, I don't want to do it because I don't find it sexy and it's something that I just, my body doesn't allow me to do. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, fetish. <laughs> yeah, that's a fetish for you to say no to that. It's really important that you're taking care of yourself. Um, I was just recently sharing that no, when, the more that you say no to yourself, to other people, you are closer yes to yourself. And if you are a no to brown showers or golden showers, you're closer yes to yourself. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I wanted to say that um, you were talking about golden showers and you were talking about your mistress's pee. I also know that there are women who drink their their menstrual cycle. I know this is like going in a really off tangent because we're focusing no, on the context of BDSM. That is, but that is BDSM <clears throat> because in this in this movie, I had to collect all my pads and tampons, and he wanted to get beat up with all these tampons. So that it, it goes in a more like kind of some people would call it disgusting, but it can be a very primal thing with with blood, urine, feces, but, and some people can handle it and some people can't. But it's a primal thing of body and the extremities that come out of the body. But, yeah, um, so, my mistress, she sells her menstrual because it's funny, she had cramps. I was like, oh, just take your uterus off. You won't ever have a period again. She's like, I can't. She's like, I make money off my menstrual cycle. So she uses a diva cup and she pours it in um in like uh, a canister and then she mails it to her uh her submissives. Well she's so a really is... smart businesswoman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, 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 so BDSM can fall in so many different categories. It's not just tying someone up, blindfolding them and like flogging them. There's so many different spectrums and components to it. And for those that are like new to BDSM, what are as you as the expert, what are five key things do you suggest for them to do tonight if they're listening to that? Um for them to just like embrace BDSM without like needing to go to Home Depot and try to buy all the things and they don't know what to do with it. Like what are five things that they that is really important for them to get BDSM? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny because the movie Fifty Shades of Grey pops up, and I don't like that movie because they don't talk about the philosophy. You, whoever is interested in BDSM, must look at like forget forget about the physical action. This is a philosophy, and they have to understand the philosophy of the dominant, of the submissive, because who's really in power is the submissive. And I've seen a lot of submissives with these unethical doms. When I'm like, wait, you're the submissive, you're the one that has the power because you have the safety word, you know. Um, so really educate themselves on the ethical um, aspect of what a submissive is, what a dom is, what they provide for each other, because that's very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also there's the um, education part of it. And videos, but this is not just watching Golden Pornhub. It's actual books out there that can help people with uh, BDSM. And my favorite movie, my favorite BDSM movie, is the movie The Secretary. That was oh, very me excellent. too. That was my favorite yeah. one too. I like that one. Yes. So I suggest them watching that because that has a lot to do. Like <sighs> that was a very BDSM relationship. So, yeah, education, philosophy, watch the movie The Secret. The third one, they can just tie, they can just, like, sit through like BDSM and just sit on a chair, tie their hands with uh, a necktie, blindfold them, 
and just tickle. And they have to, and then they, we have to practice our safety words. And our safety words, with the safe words, the safety words, you can't use no, stop. It has to be a word like code red. I like using the, like the lights, like, okay, um, do green, yellow, uh, red. So if it was yellow, I would slow down. If they said red, I would completely stop. So we have to respect words in BGSM, and we have to respect boundaries. And I would go on the fourth thing is really learning what boundaries mean. And boundaries is very important, and it's very important to understand even if you have boundaries because what happens a lot, and this goes in the need to movement, is if you're going to do it, make sure you want to do it. It's a full yes. Because you can be a half a yes, another full yes, and then regret what you did. So study your own boundaries, learn boundaries. If you have to take a course on boundaries, take a course on boundaries too. Another thing that I suggest is burning round to study about vulnerability. So it's boundaries and vulnerability and working those, weaving those two together so it's a pleasurable yes experience. Um, the fifth one is, you know what, I suggest like maybe touring a dungeon. Just look at it, tour it, discover it. And then also sex, sex shops have a lot of, you know, dungeons. And you can just like play with it and tour it. And then always, I like going to certain uh, sex toy shops who are professional. And you can tell with the professional ones. And they can just give you all the suggestions because they're pretty educational about each toy because there's so many toys and so many tools with BDSM and each toy and tool has its own protocol on proper use and I think that's very important to, to know as well. What yeah, are the, yeah, that's amazing. You talked about tools. What top three tools that they have, like if they're on like a really tight budget, what are uh, the most important tools to have? Oh, they can do free tools. You can, I do. Listen, sometimes I create my own thing. Sometimes I I would have so I so I do like body rub tantra and all that. And some guys like, hey, I want to do BGSM. And then I'm like, oh, I wish you would have told me because I would have brought my bag. And I'm like, you know what? I'll do it. So sometimes I'll take like uh, this like their tie or their shirt, tie them up. I'll take my hairbrush. In my hair, which I have long curly hair, and tickle them with my hair. Uh, I'll blindfold them with something. So you can blindfold someone with anything. You can tie someone up with anything. Um, and then you can stimulate their senses with anything, like, you know, your fingers, your, your tips of your fingers, mm-hmm. your fingernails. Um, you don't need any toys. It's, 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 it can be a toyless situation, but you have to be, you have to have a creative mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. I agree because I've I've had uh, BDSM snobs that they've asked me in the past, what kind of bondage do you use? I'm very, very picky and selective of my BDSM gear. And then, of course, that's the no for me, for me to just not work with someone who's like a a snob with the type of tools because I, I actually got my BDSM kit stolen in Vegas. And... I eventually just went to the, no, it's fine. I used it for Italy. I used it to go travel the world. And, you know, that's what BDSM gave me is that gift. And now I know how to use uh, different tools. And, you know, if you're someone who wants to, like, go buy it all, like, first you have to know how. You have to know the psychology. Um, You know, watch the movies. And if you don't know anything, like, listen to this podcast or go follow Raquel. And I'm now I just want to like to share with the audience like how can people how can people follow you like how can people learn from you mm-hmm. if they want well, to. Well, I also yeah I also want to add BTSM because it's, my mistress talks about this because I'll, I'll get new clients. BTSM is a journey. It's not something you just try. It's a lifestyle. So it's not something like hey just let me just try it. It's something that you really want to commit to it. And gradually, you know, uh, open yourself to it and then gradually educate because it's definitely something that we're always wanting to study BDSM stuff. To me, they just sound like idiots. They, they sound like superficial on the surface because BDSM is a very deep 
philosophy that's prolonged and then we're always learning about our own sexuality, other people's sexuality. So it's a forever ongoing thing. That's why I'm I I'm always gonna be in BDSM. It's something I'm always it's it's I my relationships are very BDSM. There's the dominant and there's a submissive, you know. Um so I do wanna add that. It is a lifestyle situation. Um and a continuous education. How people can follow me, um, so I am the millionaire expert. I have a podcast, uh, also the millionaire expert. They can go on my Facebook, the millionaire expert, or Instagram at millionaire expert. Um, and I'm creating a course right now, uh, providing a sexy experience with or without having sex. And that's one thing I love, I love, love, love love about BDSM because BDSM is a sexy experience and there's no need to have sex involved. That's one of, mm. that's something that I truly appreciate about BDSM. It's funny, I just got dizzy a little bit when I just said that, like, my spirit tickled. <laughs> Your spirit tickled. Well, that's yeah. be a science and spirit to say, you know what, this has been a great show. And we had so much fun. We talked about everything from religions, a little bit of pop culture. We played a game of celebrities. We got into, like, learning about fetishes and BDSM, a little bit of Raquel and her mistress. And now we are learning about some key hacks for all of you to learn in case you're just like, what do I do tonight with my husband? Or what do I do tonight with my girlfriend? Or... What do I do with the neighbor next door, the girl next door? Well, this is the this is the show to listen to. So please go follow the millionaire sex expert. And thank you so much, Raquel, for being on the show today. Thank you so much for inviting me and having me.